Hey, we're not messing around. Not even a little bit. Last night, Aaron Judge hit number 61 in front of his mom, <clears throat> mom Roger Maris Jr. And I got a guy with me right now that I want to put you, Kurt, in, in, in back in time. And you had some inter- really interesting quotes going back uh, when Barry Bonds was making his run. You gave up during the year. You were a 21-game winner. Your team won the title, but you gave up. Three home runs to Bonds during that year, 23, 43, and 44. You gave up two in one game. But after the game, and I think this is very cool, you said this. You were talking about Matt Williams, but I go down. There are multiple pitches that Bonds can hit out. What's more amazing is so many teams pitch around him. You would assume he mentally would get behind the eight ball. He hasn't done that, which is a further testament to how great a hitter he is. That's what was happening a little bit, was it not, to uh, Aaron Judge? So if you could put me back in your mentality when you were pitching as a guy was going through a record like you did when Bonds was hitting. Well, let's be clear. First of all, thank you. It's good to be back. It's been a long time since you and I talked. Um, But I I, want to, before we even talk about this perspective, I want to be very clear about something. What... Aaron Judge is doing it is fun to watch and all the great things about it, but there's no comparison, not, not even in the same galaxy as Barry Bonds, not even close. Um, Barry Bonds walked uh, over 200 sometimes. Uh, Barry Bonds didn't strike out. Barry Bonds didn't swing and miss. Barry Bonds, you know, Judge has got, I think, 167 punch outs this year. That's a decade for Bonds in many ways. Um, uh, the thing that made Bonds amazing during that run was – uh, and I talked to young pitchers when we were in pitchers meetings about this. I said, listen, if you don't throw 95, don't. Just don't. You, you, you're not he, – he's not going to swing and miss. The, that year that Bonds hit the three off me, he hit nine in my career. Um, he hit a 3-2 backdoor slider to the opposite field for a grand slam. Um, like, okay, nobody does that. That's, that's, that's what you do in <laughs> Nintendo when you're RBI baseball. Um, but – uh, one of the things that I knew about Barry was Barry hated striking out more than anything. It was publicly embarrassing and humiliating for him. Barry became, like many, many great hitters, he became so good that he was easy to pitch to. And by that, I mean, I didn't go out with Barry and try and mix and match. I just fired fastball. After that second half of that year, all the way through my time in Arizona, I just threw fastballs in. And if he swung and missed, great. If he didn't, took it, he walked. It's fine. He wasn't running anymore, so he wasn't a big stolen base threat. But he didn't. When he swung, he had a home run. It was it was it was mind boggling to watch. Now, you fast forward to what's going on here, and the number I said earlier is a big deal. This shows you how bad. And and, and listen, Aaron Judge is having a a, a season for the ages, and I, I'm excited for him. I think he's a, I, I, all I know. He's a good guy. Um, but he has 167 punch outs. You show me a guy that punches out 125 times and I'll show you a guy that I can punch out pretty consistently every at bat or make weak contact because you don't have, you don't have a, you have hole. If you have 167 strikeouts, you have holes and and video shows you those holes. What this tells me is the pitchers are doing very little preparation to face this guy, uh, especially video work uh, or their, their pitchers in the big leagues have very little command of their fastball. Um, because you can't cover 95 in all six spaces. You just can't. And, and so, but, but again, I don't want to take away from what this guy's doing because it, it is cool in many ways. Um, and, and 
you know, we'll, we'll get to this conversation in a little bit, but in many ways, you know, this is to me is the real record. He just set the record, you know, he tied the, the all time record last night. Um, you know, because it's since go ahead. No, no, no. I, I want you to continue on that because you mentioned off air. Uh, is there going to be a PED discussion here? Well, since before my generation, right, right around my generation, every single player that has been an outlier, for the most part, I can't think of exceptions, has has been proven to be a cheater. Um, and now I, I wonder, and and a lot of it has. Even though I, I, I can remember when Bonds and McGuire um, did the and, and, and all that stuff was happening, people, you know, the liberal sports media being who they are said to me, because I had said, you know, Mark McGuire is a great guy and Barry Bonds is an a-hole. And, and they said, well, you know, Mark McGuire is white and Barry Bonds is black. I said, no, Mark McGuire is a nice guy and Barry Bonds is a dick. I, I, you know, that's the difference. Um you know, both of these guys that are that that will that I think will endure some sort of discussion at some point uh, are the guy who hit seven hundred pools, and uh, and and this guy, and it'll be because uh, I mean you you can't do what the media has done for the last two generations and just give these guys a pass. I, and again, I don't think they're I don't think that Aaron is cheating. I, I you know I also know that. Um, a lot of the guys that did it didn't do it for the reasons people think they did. Aaron Judge is a big guy. People think, oh, he doesn't need steroids. Steroids and, and mass are, are very uh, little um, of the most the reasoning behind this. It's all about recovery. And baseball is the hardest schedule in the game. And you're seeing, you know, Aaron is wearing down a little bit. He's a little tired. Um, but this, this whole thing is energizing, I'm sure. Um, but there'll be a discussion. Some Because, listen, everybody in the sports media is – Somebody somewhere in the sports media is trying to break through and make a career for themselves. So somebody's going to say something and talk about something. But before they do, we can say we were the first. <laughs> well, I want to go back to something you said. This is the real record. Can you talk about that? Well, yeah. I, I don't recognize anything that, that, that Sammy or Barry did uh, knowing full well they had cheated. Uh, I, I, I don't recognize any of that. I mean, look, you can. that's just personal. I mean, that, that's, 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 to me, that's, that's how I view it. The same reason I wouldn't vote for anybody that I knew did steroids for the Hall of Fame. I mean, I just wouldn't. It doesn't mean they don't belong. doesn't mean they aren't Hall of Fame. It just means I wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, I, I look at this as he tied the all-time record. Um, and uh, because, because uh, as of today, there's nothing around him or surrounding him where we're discussing about, you know, Andrew Steendion in his locker or a relationship with Balco or, or, you know, uh, a personal trainer who, who, you know, none of that, uh, doesn't mean it won't happen, but I mean, this guy's, and, and by the way, don't go to sleep on the fact that this guy's having, uh, one of the greatest offensive seasons in history. I mean, short of, short of bonds and stuff. I mean, you're looking at, I think it's OPS 1121. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's a kind of, his OPS is what, what some guy coming out of spring training who no one knows has at the end of April and he fades off to a 250 hitter and goes back to triple A. I mean, this, you know, all that being said, listen, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably uh, create some, some, some more haters. Um, Shohei Otani is still the MVP. 
I mean, you've got a guy that's got 40 home runs. I know he's 21 shy of judge, but the fact of the matter, he's got, he's going to have 200 innings, 200 some strikeouts, and he's going to make 30 some starts and he's having a better year this year than he did when he won the MVP last year. And, and, uh, you know, if you're talking about value, that that's the ultimate value right there. I'm going to tell you, if I hear that Aaron Judge is anything other than what I think he is, I think Aaron Judge is the best role model in sports right now, and I hope I, that continues. That, but I want to put – Let me let, Wait, Dan, let me just say that, though. But that was David Ortiz. David Ortiz was not – never never failed the test in any capacity and was every bit the good human being, I guarantee you, that Aaron Judge is, was genuine and legitimate in all the things people wanted to believe. And – you know, people lumped him in with Bonds and Sosa and McGuire and all the others. And, and you know, I was there. I saw it. But, you know, it, 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 it's sad. And it, but it is also a, a very much a byproduct of, of where we are. I mean, the only thing that could taint his career is if, he come, if, if something suspicious like that does come up or he supports a Republican politician, then he's done. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one's more dangerous, right, or more damaging, yeah. right? I don't know. Yeah. All right, you're pitching, and I want to put you back in there. You know, a lot of guys, it looked like um, maybe a lot of guys were pitching around him. You, as I said in your statement, you know, you said back in the day, look, I'm not pitching around him. The idea of pitching to judge, you made a point very clear, the holes in his swing. Um, Is there any part of a pitcher, at least in your mind of a pitcher, that doesn't want to be part of history, that, that doesn't want to be this Tim Mesa guy who now is the guy that gave up the home run, does that even factor into you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, if you remember, the, the, and I say this very, very proudly, the year that Sosa and McGuire turned baseball on their ear, I didn't give up a home run to either one of those guys. I, I did not want to be ever – you know, same reason I, I bear down on Bo Jackson and same reason I would bear down on Garth Brooks in spring training. This is my job. I wouldn't give up a hit to Michael Jordan. I mean, I, I take an immense amount of pride, or did, in what I do. And so let somebody else be a, let somebody else be Channel Parker or this Mace kid. I, I, I got no desire to be on, uh, um, you know, Ralph Branca or anybody like that. No thanks. All right, so when you're facing him, all right, when you're facing a guy that's going for a record, is you mentioned bear down. Is it different in your mind yeah. facing yeah. that guy? Absolutely. Absolutely. So? McGuire, I would too well, I can tell you this, and, and this is what makes guys like this so amazing. Um, when I faced McGuire or Sosa or Bonds, they got my October Kurt Schilling. They, everything I, I emptied the tank. I went to the well. I gave them. They got the very best of everything I had. That's the thing that makes that made Bond so amazing. And when when you think about what Aaron Judge is doing, every single pitcher that faces him, every single at bat, that pitcher is giving Aaron Judge his very best with every single pitch. You can't say the same about that's not the case for anybody else. And, and that's what makes seasons like this. Everybody's bearing down on him like it is playoff baseball. So he's getting the best of the best. And he's getting, you know, what it, what it tells you is, so, so uh, I, I, I don't know. I didn't have very many intentional walks in my career. But I pitched around guys in certain situations. The, my ability to command my fastball allowed me to pitch around you and still possibly get you out. I didn't have to do the, you know, four and walk them. I could 
manipulate the, on, on days when I was good, I could, I, I could move the ball three, four, five, six inches at a time inside and outside the corners of the strike zone. Or I could use a part of the strikes on the, you know, back in the day before quest deck, umpires would call ball strikes. Hell, I'll, I'll, I'll throw three balls if you're going to call them strikes. You know, you can't hit or can't hit them. But I would, I would, I would try and get a hitter to chase. And if I got into a situation I wasn't comfortable with, we'd move on. Does, you know, a lot is made about Judge betting on himself, right? He turned the contract down. <laughs> does, does that factor in? Why, why are you laughing? Because I'm laughing at the paydays that Lamar Jackson and Aaron Judge are going to get. Um, very rarely do you see guys bet on them, much more so in baseball than football. But you got two guys who, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that the writers being who they are, Judge is going to be the MVP, um, and rightly so uh, in many eyes. But how do you put a number on a guy – who has a year unlike anybody else as a free agent at what is he uh 30 he's 30 this year yeah <laughs> well and, and and what it also does if you think about this dan is it, it it severely limits his suitors um you're talking about a guy i mean otani is going to probably get in the 40 million dollar neighborhood i would guess because uh, you're paying an ace and a cleanup hitter in one package. I mean, you're looking and, – and what are the other guys? Trout and these guys, 30, 33, 35 million? Um, how do you – how do you – how do you price Aaron Judge in that market? He's above that market, is he not? And and uh, so so that, that tells me that there's only going to be four or five teams at most that would even be in the bidding. I still – he'll turn that. I mean, come on. We've seen the Yankees. We know the Yankees are going to be the team. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, what they do and how they do it. I mean, 10 years, 340, 50, 60, 400 million. Is that what we're looking at? Because I think we're looking at close. I think we're going to be closer to half a billion than we will to 300 million when he signs. Man, I remember when Glenn Robinson came out of Purdue and he was the number one pick of the Milwaukee Bucks. And he demanded a $100 million contract. And Herb Cole, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, said, hey, give me $100 million, I'll give you the franchise. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Back yeah. in the day. Well, but, I mean, that's what's happening that in many ways. That's what's happening with – I think it's one of the reasons that baseball has become much, much harder to watch is because of the money uh, you're talking about. And, then, again, you know, people who, who want to uh, uh, – some of the people that, that have gotten on me in the past said, you know, what do you know? You threw a ball for a living. Now, I worked in a $10 billion industry is what I did. And and uh, anybody that thinks otherwise is an idiot. This is a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar business. Um, and those guys don't mess around. And and so, uh, you know, and but but that's also the reason why the product is changing. And I don't think it is for the better. I think uh, what they're catering to, the crowd that they're trying to cater to is a crowd that doesn't actually watch the game. Uh and uh, I can't watch another starting pitcher walk off the mound and tip his hat in the middle of the sixth inning. It makes me, it gives me acid reflux to watch guys do that. <laughs> I want to go on the field. So on the field, you turn down two hundred million or whatever judge turned down. All right. So he bets on himself. He's going to get the money, obviously. But is that part on a day-to-day basis for you as a player? 
big-time player, big-time environment. You're in the biggest-time environments that there was. Yankees, Red Sox, you're pitching the big games. Judges pitch are hitting in the big games. He's expected to deliver. Does the fact that you turned down that money back in April, March, whenever, does that influence the on-the-field during the season for a guy like Aaron Judge? Does it motivate? Does it not? For him, it well, obviously didn't detract. Right. I, I think the numbers tell the story. I mean, he clearly can handle the pressure. Uh, if, if, right. if, if, if he viewed that as pressure, right? I mean, if he goes out and has a ho-hum year, he gets $238 million instead of three hundred and thirty. I mean, you know, oh, right. boo-hoo. Right. You know, but, but um, you can tell in the product. I never – I mean, I had the best years of my career in my, in my first years of my new contracts. Uh, I was always out to prove that I was worth what they were paying me if I wasn't worth more in the context of Major League Baseball. There are other guys who can't handle it. Aaron clearly knows himself and clearly can handle I mean, you wouldn't know. I, if you look at it, he's, he's a 230 hitter in October, um, you know, which, which is, you know, that's, that's a little different ball game. But, but he clearly can handle the regular season pressure of, of, of betting on himself. And I think he, you know, clearly made a, a really good bet. And I'm happy for him. Like I said, I like seeing people like this do well. Does he need – does he and, and Otani and Trout, uh, how much – because I think baseball is just different. I, 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 I'm yep. going to tell you what I think, and I'm not going to – I think a guy in baseball needs a postseason moment. Uh, it doesn't have to be Reggie Jackson or Chris Chambliss or Kurt Schilling uh, or Dave Stewart or Dave Steve or whatever, but it's got – got to have a postseason moment to solidify yourself in baseball. I'm not just talking about Judge. I'm talking about Otani and I'm talking about – Trout and others. Um, I don't know. I I I guess I, I guess those are you know one of the things that I always talked with young players about. One of the things that I always believe that that happened was um, in October every single night in October you have a chance to make people remember you for the rest of their lives, and that excited me. That motivated me. I love that. Uh, and there are a lot of people shrink away from that because they think, you know, a lot of times that their thought is, yeah, I have someone, I, I, I have the ability to be Bill Buckner and make people remember me for the rest of which is not fair to Bill. But, but um, I don't know. I, I, you know, Ernie Banks is, you know, what is the, what do they say about Ernie Banks? He's the greatest player to never win a world series. You know, I mean, they don't, those moments are forever. And, you know, we remember great seasons. Well, I mean, you know, you remember Roger Maris, I don't think ever had an October moment. I mean, but he was a great, he, you know, he had his, his moments in the regular season. Um, I, I don't know. I think it depends. It's so different now with the media, though. I mean, every at bat is, is on Twitter uh, in real time. And, and every night is on, you know, multiple times. You can, you, you know, you think back to, to, to this year and the highlights and, and there are moments and events and, you know, Aaron is certainly – done those i think it helps to cement if you want to call a legacy uh for sure i mean uh october because that's what you play you play for the ring i don't care what anybody says it, 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 if you have a player with his salt he's playing for the that that jewelry and that, that hardware always in every sport and so those are the things you look forward to and those are the moments you want to stand out in um it's just there's limited window, right i mean you have you, you play 11 games if you win them all well it'll be more now with more rounds you only have, you know, 10 or 11 games to make a statement. As a starting pitcher, you only have, you know, 
five or six games. So those moments, the opportunities for those moments are rare. If that changes now, we're talking with the what sixteen playoff teams now. So so you're looking at a whole lot more games, a whole lot more moments. Um, you know, for people to do what Carlos Beltran did, that you know, hit a home run, what seemed like every freaking at bat in the postseason. You know, <laughs> what Albert Pujols did off Brad Lidge, um, Joe Carter off Mitch Williams. Everybody's after those moments, and you know, I, I don't know that you need it. I, I I think that we've become so saturated from a, 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 a athletic perspective that you don't. I think it's less important now to have that October moment than it was 30 years ago or 40 years ago. And, and uh, social media for better or worse is probably why. That's, that's, that's fair. Uh, I, is it important in your mind that for baseball, for baseball as a whole, is it important? Does it not matter for Aaron judge to stay a Yankee? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that it, well, I mean, now it changes, right? I mean, because he's, he's, uh, what Aaron Judge does in, in every box score for the rest of his career is going to be news. Um, does that help if he goes to Tampa? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they suddenly start selling out. Um, does it help? I, I, I yes, I think it's, I think him staying in New York is, would be much better for the game than him going somewhere else. I mean, if he goes to Anaheim, is he, you know, is he Mike Trout? Because Mike Trout is still, in my mind, the greatest player anybody alive has ever seen, and uh, he, you know he, he's he's a he's a Vladimir Guerrero in many ways. Vladimir Guerrero played in Montreal for pretty much his entire career, and in many ways, when he went on the ballot, people were like, "Wow, he he really was a Hall of Famer." People understand how good that player was because nobody in Montreal actually cared, and and uh, you know Canadians boo his. Uh, you know, they, they certainly didn't support him and support their team. And, um, you know, it, it, I think, yes, I, I would, I, I think in that market or LA, obviously, um, uh, or the Mets, maybe, I mean, the Mets would be a very sexy, uh, move, uh, and create a lot of, uh, interesting, uh, but I think he's going to end up staying there. Were you, I got to ask you a personal question. Were you shocked that, and again, I don't have all the information. It's been a while, but I followed it. Were you shocked that people questioned what was on your sock? Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> it showed me how little pe- real, real people understand about athletics. That that and I, most of them, ninety nine percent of them, were bitter liberal New York Yankee fans. And I get it. They choked. They lost. They sucked. Too bad. They 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 have the. The tag is the biggest choke in the history of sports forever, no matter what they do. Um, but there are people who want to believe that, to, to, who, again, clearly can't understand the dynamics of, of pitching in Major League Baseball, what it means, what it the thought that I w- The thought that I would even be paying attention to my ankle in a game that we were playing win or go home makes me somewhat – I mean – it was a problem only <clears throat> in that I knew it was bleeding and all the things that go with that. But I'm on camera for every minute of every inning. What did I, I, did I have a dropper with Heinz in it or a ketchup bottle by the bench or, I mean, it's just, it was, it was, it was, it was humorous, but it also showed you just how ignorant fans are to what it takes to play at that level. 
Right. I mean, I, I always said, man, that dude, that dude's got a lot going on. All right, we're gonna play well, the call it, from it, last night. Let me sit. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I want to continue that. What, what were you gonna say? No, I, 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 I said, it, it, you know, the problem is that everybody and everybody and their mother played little league baseball, so they think they know. That's the four hundred pound fat ass guy sitting in right field eating nachos, yelling about catch the ball. You know, that guy played when he was 12 and knows how easy it is to play the game. So you deal with that. Uh, we're going to play Michael K's call. Let me tell let me let me hear what you think. Go ahead, guys. And the three, two. Drill deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history. Yeah. You know, so I was always taught, one of the things I think that helped me in the booth was there are some moments that speak for themselves. Um, and I thought that that was one of them. I, you know, I, he could have said everything he said after the fact. Uh, everybody watching the game knew exactly what happened. They knew what the number was. They, you know, it was, it, it, but it's also part of, part. you know, it's part and parcel of, of today's analysis. And, and you know, I, I have some personal bias because Michael Kay, for some reason, decided that after we were friends that he was going to say some things about me that weren't true. And, and so I, I think he's kind of a dick, but, but uh, you know, it was a moment that needed to, to just breathe it, it. You know, the thing that if you, it, the thing that's missed in that is Aaron Judge is If you look at him, he's a very stoic guy. He doesn't show emotion. He hits his home runs, puts his head down. And he wasn't on that one. He was fired up. And it, it, because it, it was the, I guarantee it was the giant monkey off his back. There's no doubt he's been thinking about it every pitch, every bat. I think it's hard. I I just wanted to see and and feel the moment. I didn't need Michael Kay to explain to me that he just hit a 61st home run and that it was more than anybody since Roger Maris. We all knew it. We all knew it. So shut your mouth and just let the moment breathe. But it is what it is. Did you – like I saw him as he's rounding third, uh, second base. He pointed – I don't know if he pointed to his mother, Maris, that whole kind yeah. of deal – when when you pitched in a big moment, did did you know where everybody was sitting? Well, I mean, yeah. It's it, first of all, you have to understand when when players leave tickets for specific people, they know exactly where they're sitting in the stadium. So you know, seeking them out is never a problem. Uh, you know, when I <laughs> when we played the Yankees, I knew where everybody was sitting because everybody was sitting hated my guts, and, and they said things about my mother that that. Uh, but but I they were my favorite fans. I love pitching in front of them. But yeah, I knew where people were, and, and as a pitcher, I never <clears throat> that wasn't something that was on my mind during the game until I came out. You know, if I when I come off the field, if if you know, if I pointed to my, where my wife was in the box, it was because it was a special night. Something happened, and, and I wanted her to know I was thinking of her or whatever. Um, but it's different as a hitter. I mean, the bat's done. The ball's already out of the park. You hit the home run. You know, you get the you get the relish in it a little bit. So that was nice. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure he was, he was pointing at his mother too. So 
Yeah, I That's thought cool. that was very cool. I, I thought that that had a wherewithal. But especially for uh, a guy like that who wasn't, it, again, is a very stoic guy. You know, he hits home runs for the most part kind of the way you should. Hit the ball and, and run around the bases and go to your dugout. Yeah, I, I remember what Tim Belcher. Did you know Tim Belcher? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Tim's a good Tim is a good friend. Tim's a good friend of mine. He was with the Reds. Uh, I was coaching basketball at Indiana, and I went down there. He leaves me tickets, and he puts a note in. He goes, hey, dumbass, these are Lou Pinella's seats. Don't act like an idiot. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So guys know, right? Yep. I had, I, I had many, many nights where I left tickets for people, and I said, hey, listen, you're sitting in the family section. Don't act like an idiot. Right. Uh, last thing, I'll let you go, Kurt. You've been great. Um is the pressure off him now, off Judge? Well, no. <clears throat> I mean, he needs – I mean, 62 is the number, right? Right. That, that's the number. Uh, uh, I don't think it is. Maybe it is. Maybe 61 was, was all he was after. I don't know. Um, but I, I'm, I'm curious to, to – uh, to see how offensive. Plus, you know, they're getting ready for the postseason. I would imagine he'll probably. I, I, <clears throat> he may, he might not actually, but but I, I'm taking a day off here to take a breather. Um, postseason's coming up, but uh, you know he's played in 151 games, uh, of, which is most of them. Um, but uh, you know, maybe he'll get a couple uh, breathers at the end of games. Um, but no, I mean, you you want to you certainly certainly want to get after it before this till the season is over and then the then the real season starts yeah i tried to tell people like I had a bunch of friends oh man now the pressure's off i'm like whoa 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 you correct me if i'm wrong but if you're gonna get this close you want the daggone record you, you don't want to die right. for the record right you want the right. record well right? i i do like the fact that we're talking about it as the record you know i know it's an american league thing and i get that but the fact of the matter is i think uh, I want to see 62 because I believe that's the record and that will be the record. Yeah. Hey, I really appreciate you jumping out, man. It's been a lot of no fun. Worries, Dan. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, brother. You take Thanks, care. Thanks, man. All right. All right. That's the great Kurt Schilling. Love him. I like following him. I like talking to him. I like his opinions. And if you don't, that's on you. I mean, hey, look, everybody isn't supposed to just be, you know, vanilla and say whatever. All right, we come back. Uh, I got to show you some stuff. I do. I got to show you some stuff that our president did about a congresswoman from Indiana. And if you don't think our president has a serious problem, and it's sad, but if you don't think our president has dementia, wait till you see this <clears throat> when we come back. And then, of course, the press secretary <laughs> tried to cover it up. Sharks in streets, craziness. I did talk to Urban Meyer today. His family is fine. Uh, we'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. I got to tell you, this show is fun. This show is really, really, really fun. We get to talk about everything, and I wouldn't have been able to do that at other networks. All right, let's get into El Presidente. No, not Sean Black. El Presidente, the President of the United States. A little background here. The Jackie that he is asking for here. Jackie Walorski passed away at 58 years old in a two-car crash back on August 3rd. She was part of the House Ways and Means Committee. She was part of the bill that just got signed. And 
the action. Uh, and Joe Biden actually had a memorial for her where he was shocked and saddened back in August. Now, if you don't think our president has dementia, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know if it's dementia. I don't know what it is. But the dude is not fit to be the president of the United States, the most popular man in the country. And I don't give a damn what you say. Look, I'm not Republican or Democrat. I'm just common sense. You watch this, and I gave you the background, and you tell me if this man should be president of the United States. Go ahead, roll it, fellas. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative... Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't Jack. think she was going to be here to help make this. Are you insane? Like, I mean, you think that this guy should be the president of the United States. Now, again, uh, you can defend it if you'd like, but this is indefensible. And frankly, uh, people from both sides of the aisle just lost their mind. It had to be fun yesterday for reporters from the New York Times, the Washington Post, to actually be adult journalists and ask questions. And those questions about Jackie Walorski. Now, let me say it again. She passed away August 3rd. Congresswoman from the great state of Indiana. Two-car crash. Tragedy. Absolute tragedy. There was actually at this conference that Biden was at a memorial video to her. Now, I want you to think about this. This is the level. This is the bar that we are currently at. The president of the United States, the man that's supposed to lead all of us, is number one, speaking like that. And then he's asking for someone that is dead. He knows he's dead or he knew he's dead. I don't care whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian. If you have a brain and you're not so partisan and you're not so whacked out nuts, then you've got to look at this as almost, well, I would think not almost, absolutely a final straw to like this dude is incompetent to hold office. And I'm not one of those that wants to uproar the entire upheaval, blah, blah, blah. I assume I'll be audited at some point for having these thoughts. But my God, common sense dictates. Now, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, she tried to defend this. And I'll give her credit because she does it in such a kind of dismissive way that I kind of dig it. I mean, she's doing her job. She's doing the job that I've always wanted. Let's hear from the press secretary trying to defend this nonsense. Final one. What happened in the hunger event today? The president appeared to look around the room uh, for an audience member, a member of Congress who passed away last month. He seemed to indicate she might be in the room. What, so, what so the president was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, he had already uh, planned to welcome the congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind uh, for the president.
president. He uh, looks very much looks forward to discussing her remarkable legacy of public service with them when he sees her family this coming Friday. He said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. No, I totally understand. I just, I just explained she was on top of mind. Uh, um, you know, she, this wasn't what we were able to witness today and what the president was able to lift up uh, in this uh, at this conference at this event. God bless her. She's doing her job. I'm not mad at her. I mean, we all know she's a shill and she could do that with a straight face is one of the great acting jobs of all time. But this is disgraceful. In fact, the Walorski family let him off the hook. Unfathomable. Yes. Uh, but basically, at the end of their tweet, they said, look, we just feel sorry for him. And this is a man who said he had cancer a few weeks ago. This is a man that literally at a press conference said that he had cancer. No. I mean, I, I, I get it. People are so whacked out that they hate Donald Trump, so this guy looks good. People are so whacked out about their party that this looks good. People, I, But there is no chance that any adult that can think for themselves can support this. Now, if you can't think for yourself and if you're so whacked out on your party, like we got guys here in Indy that say, well, he's just a nice old man. I don't want a nice old man that falls off bikes that doesn't know if people are dead when they've just had a memorial to him. And it's not like she's been dead for 10 years. Hell, I didn't know whether Chris Farley was dead. <laughs> but I guarantee you... Uh, if I was at a conference where Chris Farley was a part of something I was supposed to speak on, I would know that Chris Farley's dead. You know, it, it amazes me. And then, again, it had to feel good because the Washington Post, the New York Times, and all these different liberal newspapers, it had to feel good on some level for a newspaper reporter, a.k.a. a journalist, which they're not journalists, they're just slaps for the, the liberal propaganda or whatever you want to call it. It had to feel good to actually be a reporter and ask the press secretary follow-ups. There were headlines, and I disagreed with the headlines. There were headlines about chaos in the press room, press comes at. Now, I, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, let's be honest. I, I don't know. But I do know this, this man is totally incompetent to hold this job. And it's not a question of if he is, it's a question of absolutely he is. And I also know this, I wonder if the good feeling by all these slap reporters, I wonder if it is going to continue for them. You know what I mean? I wonder. I wonder if it's going to continue. And there's always the, well, if it were Trump, so some guy, Hoosier, whatever, if it had been Trump, she would have walked... To, she would have walked to the podium. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, how can you let this man continue? I mean, hey, look, if his policies were great, I don't give a damn who you are if your policies are working for the people of the United States, not for Ukraine, not for people pouring over the border, not for if the policies were working for the people of the United States. I don't care who you are. Go. But when you combine this with gas prices through the roof, a stock market that is less than when he took off, and remember, he didn't take off, and he did not take over a 2-14 and 14 team. He took over the freaking New York Yankees coming off a world championship. I mean, the market was roaring. Gas prices were 179 
People's 401ks were stuffed, and ironically, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at my Robin Hood, and there it is again, something down 5%. It's every day. This guy is choking us to death. And now, he don't even know where he is or who's around him. Hell, there's video of him having to be led by his wife, who, by the way, is a doctor for crying out loud. And as a doctor, she has no compassion for her husband publicly embarrassing himself every single time he's in public. And the man challenged us on 60 Minutes. Look, watch my actions. I see your actions. You don't know that a dead freaking congresswoman is dead at a conference what she was involved in. You don't freaking know where to go. Your wife's got to go, go here. I don't even care what other countries are thinking. People say, well, other countries are laughing at us. <laughs> We're laughing at us. We're laughing. Even the most staunch, crazy, liberal nut job has to say this is absurd. Has to. And if you don't, God bless you. Good for you. You're an idiot. I'm sorry. Holy cow. I've been thinking about the people of Florida. I talked to Urban Meyer this morning, lives in Sarasota. He's not there, but man, there are some shocking videos here. Remember a few years ago when there was, I think, I don't know which hurricane it was. This is Hurricane Ian, but a few years ago, there was a shark swimming in the street and apparently it was a, I don't know if it was a promotion for Shark Week. There was some kind of deal with it. Well, yesterday we saw it. Yesterday we saw an actual shark Swimming down the road in Fort Myers. Let's get the video going here, fellas. Let's do it. Look at this thing. Man, I feel terrible for the people of Fort Myers. I feel terrible. Look at this. Man. Fort Myers, Marco Island... Naples, the whole area just got crushed. And on a personal note, you know, I'm of the age where my wife and, and peeps like to go down to Naples and because I enjoy it. I enjoy the heck out of it. Um, we go down there for about two or three weeks every year. Irma was the name of the last one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Irma was the one, the last one. This one is Ian, and now we've got a shark literally swimming. I mean, the video, uh, I I hate to even show something that can, you know, bring humor to a horrendous situation. Hundreds are dead, and I've been praying for them. I am. Look, um, when you see something like this, golly, and you see people having to swim in their basements, or you see all the destruction, it's just, it's it's heart-wrenching. Prayers up, man. Uh, This is silly. Bring back masks. People want to bring back masks. Why? Why am I bringing back a mask? Please, let let me know. Bring back masks is the next thing that we've got. All right? Uh, Bring them back. Okay. Why are we bringing back masks? I mean, all you got to do is pay attention. Does anybody not read? Do people not read? Do people not pay attention? Do people not go, hey, look. Uh, Masks did absolutely nothing for nobody. Bring back masks. And I don't care. People can yell and scream and do whatever. I've never had a problem 
with anybody and mask. When I was told to wear a mask, you know what I did? I wore a mask. Uh, hell, we're not even demanding anymore. I don't think there's even demand anymore for uh, uh, vaccine shots. Bring back masks. That's great. Good. All right. Fine. You bring them back. <laughs> I'll wear them if you tell me to. If you tell me to wear them, I'll wear them. Uh, but I'm not wearing them because, see these women right here? Because they tell me to or some crazy nut job decides that, hey, look, bring back mass and then flips out because she's out of her freaking mind. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not doing it. I'm not bringing back mass. I'm not. So, you know, you want to do it as a United States? I go along. Hell, I just go along with most. But no. No. I'll give it like these are the people right here. This is a perfect picture to put up here. The perfect picture. Because it looks like there are some dudes without masks. And of course, the warriors are wearing. This is the perfect picture of who loses their mind when you don't wear a mask around them. Really, really good work by Ryan and by Dylan. Great work right there. The warriors, the lady warriors got their camo pants or whatever they are. Yeah. Those two right there are the absolute last people in this world I would listen to, and I don't even know them, but I got to tell you, and you can get mad at me, I'm the best at reading people. My wife, my ex-wife, hell, everybody alive will tell you I'm the best at reading people. Uh, full disclosure, I'm talking to you, Aaron. Let's get, let's get Lane Kiffin on the show. I am a monster Lane Kiffin fan. I am a huge Lane Kiffin fan. You say Lane Kiffin, I say what? There are certain people that I pay attention to, and Lane Kiffin apparently follows me on Twitter. I think Lane Kiffin is funny. I think he's irreverent. I think he's interesting. I think he's innovative, and I want to go to a Mississippi football game. In fact, my next phone call is going to be to Urban Meyer to try to get me tickets to a Mississippi football game. I'm trying to talk my wife, who is a softball legend, into being the next softball coach if they ever have an opening at Mississippi. I want to just sit in the grove, eat peaches, and drink wine. <laughs> Lane Kiffin's team is 4-0. Lane Kiffin's team is 4-0, and Lane Kiffin's team, well, frankly, they take on Kentucky. They're hosting number eight Kentucky. The game is sold out. All right. In the first three home games at Ole Miss, a football juggernaut, remember old Archie Manning? Average attendance was 59,848. The capacity is 66,178. Kiffin's not happy. Second half of the games, it's looked like IU. Now, Indiana is legendary for a great tailgate. People go into the games for the first half. And the second half, it's a tradition like the candy stripes. Everybody leaves and nobody comes back. Well, when I say nobody, I mean like a third of the crowd comes back. It's frustrating. It is. Diehard Indiana fans will tell you, you're not a real IU football fan unless you don't come back. Well, the same thing is happening at Old Miss. At Old Miss, guess what? About half the crowd is back. When you come back out, Lane Kiffin said, Run out the tunnel. It looks like a high school game played in a college stadium. You can't let that affect you. 
There's, psycho, there's psychology to that. There's home field advantage for a reason. When it goes the other way, you kind of have that feeling. Man, are we still really playing in a game here? Players have to fight that. We use that as a learning lesson for our guys. If that's the case, that's the case. I'm worried about what I can control. I've tried social media in here for two years. We worry about what we can control and getting our players ready to play. Here's what I like about it. Lane Kiffin didn't blame the fans. Like, all these arrogant coaches, they blame the fans. No. He just said, hey, look, we got to deal with it. That's why I like Lane Kiffin. That's why I will always like Lane Kiffin. Oh, wait a second. TDOC down 48%, uh, 4.8%. Shocking. You guys voted for this slop. But I am absolutely all in on Lane Kiffin. I mean, when I am in on Lane Kiffin, I am in on Lane Kiffin. So there you go. I want him on the show. And Aaron just sent me a text. You got it. I just found out today he follows me on Twitter. I'm a big fan. I am. Dude's been through some ups, some downs, made good career choices, bad career choices. I feel you, brother. (laughs) Uh, Tonight we got football. I don't like Mondays or Tuesdays. Excuse me, Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I don't like Tuesdays or Wednesdays, I got no football. Tuesdays, what do I got? At least last night, uh, they broke in. I went to Major League. I went to MLB Network, regional coverage. I got the Yes Network uh, through Major League Baseball Network, and I got to watch Aaron Judge hit a home run. Hell, this is a true story. I was actually watching in bed at like 8 o'clock. I shut it down. I did. I went and got a book, The Four Amendments, I think is what it's called. I jumped into bed. My wife was downstairs doing stuff. She goes, where are you going? I go, I don't know. I'm going to take a shower, hit the sack. She goes, what? Yeah, then I was reading, stayed up, watched Rules of Engagement. But I did get the opportunity to see Aaron Judge hit his home run. It was great. But tonight it's back, baby. And we're going to talk to Jimmy Cephalo. He's going to break this down for real. Because Jimmy Cephalo, I remember Jimmy Cephalo, great running back, NBC Sports. Now he does fantastic work for the Dolphins. This game tonight is interesting for a variety of reasons to me, and I'm going to give you my reasons. One, I want to see if Tua can keep being Tua. I do. I want to see if Tua can keep doing Tua things. It's one thing to do Tua things, but it's another thing to keep doing Tua things. You understand what I'm saying? Just keep doing those things. You know, there's film. Everybody says it's going to catch up to you. Hey, yeah, it might, but when you've got receivers like Waddle and Hill – and you've got Tua throwing it right here, he can throw it in a freaking coffee cup, you've got a real shot to continue this regardless of scouting. But here's the deal. Joe Burrow and the fellas looked pretty good last night. And by the way, this is a night game. Remember we talked about it on Monday, how hard it is to play in Miami in September in the heat? Oh, by the way, Ford is down 5% too. You all voted for this crap. Anyway, it's a night game. So the sun is not going to be pounding the visiting team. Now, here's the other side of it. Joey Burrow seems to be playing better. A lot of talk has been about the offensive line. You will not hear me criticize the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line because the center for the Cincinnati Bengals, Teddy Karras Jr. Jr., we call him, is the son of Teddy Karras Jr., Teddy and I went to high school together. He was a couple years behind me. Teddy's a good friend. He's fishing out here the other day. Teddy Karras Jr. Jr. has been in my pool hanging out, drinking beers. 
I like Teddy Karras Jr. Jr., and I'm like every other media guy. I'm biased to whom I like. Teddy Karras is a freaking stud, and tonight they will protect Joe Burrow because one thing I know about Teddy Karras Jr. Jr. is that he has immense pride. And you're saying to me, well, what does the center have to do with it? There are other guys on the line. The center makes the line calls. Teddy Karras is brilliant. And if you remember the name Karras, you know Alex Karras. Yes, that's their uncle. Uncle Alex, he of Blazing Saddles, punching the horse, Mongo, Mongo. That's their uncle. Their father, Teddy Karras, the dad, Teddy Karras Jr., my friend, Teddy Karras Jr., Jr., guess what they all have in common? Every one of them has a Super Bowl ring. How about that? Pretty good. Junior Junior played with the, uh, with the New England Patriots, has a great story about living across the street from Aaron Hernandez's house and this weird light that would come on even after he was taken away and arrested. He lived in a house with a couple other linemen literally across the street from Aaron Hernandez's house. So the preview tonight is this. If you do not protect Joe Burrow, and I think they will, then Cincinnati's going to lose. But I do think Cincinnati's going to win this game. I think Cincinnati's going to play really well. I think Joe Burrow made a nice statement last week, not only in a press conference. Oh, I'm sorry, the game is in Cincinnati. What's, what's wrong with me? I looked at it right there. So forget all that I said about the sun beating down. It's going to be cold. We had a frost warning today. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is this is going to be a lot of fun tonight. And the truth of a lot of uh, – uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. the truth of the matter is I can't wait to watch it. I've missed football. I've missed two days of football. I have. I've missed two days. A very famous announcer, very, very famous, one of the most famous announcers in the country, no, not Mike Tirico, just sent me a, well, we put out from OutKick, shut your mouth and just let the moment breathe, which is what Kurt Schilling just said. A very famous announcer sent me that and said, bingo. I can't argue. I cannot argue. Intense Logic on Twitter says that's an odd take. Not a fan of Michael K, but nothing wrong with his call. That's fine. If that's what you think. Everybody's got their opinion. I go with the very famous announcer. This is a great show. I got to tell you, I'm having a blast. I don't even know if anyone's watching, and I don't care. I'm having too much fun. And by the way, Dockage Cycles for the City, we gave out six bikes yesterday. Uh, at 11 o'clock today at Little Flower, uh, a Catholic school in downtown Indianapolis, we're giving away more. I can't be there. I'm doing this show. And then at 5 o'clock, 5.30 tonight, the Martin Luther King Center down in Indianapolis, we're giving away more. And then tomorrow the same. And then Saturday the same. I love it. You should have seen the smile. Only three of the six kids could make it yesterday. Uh, it was a community center. Mom and dad got to work others, but they're all, you should have seen the three kids. And Lee and I, my wife, were trying to teach them how to, how to ride a bike. They didn't know how to ride a bike. So we had these two little kids, and then there was a third one that had uh, training wheels on it. I love it. I do. I love it. We have a big one at Christmas. All right. Uh, let's see. When we come back, I got the damn awards. I got the damn awards. The damn awards are unbelievable. Northwestern building a new arena. There's an I can get behind this award. No, it's not only fans. It's something that NBA players are doing. Here come the judge. 
Very popular here, come to judge. I got, hey, you don't want to miss the damn awards. We'll be right back. I gotta go pop. That's it. I gotta take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Uh, I'm trying to text uh, Lane Kiffin because I want him on this show. Damn awards on Thursdays are a tradition. Oh, Moderna down 5%. You guys voted for this. Good for you, man. Is there any bigger weasel face than Jeff Passan? Seriously, if anybody in America ever looked like they needed punched in the face, it's Jeff. We call it a punchable face. Jeff Passan came at me one time on Twitter, and I thought he was an older guy. He was on my show whining about pitchers. And now Jeff Passan's on ESPN, and I got to tell you, man, that's a punchable face. Anyway, uh, <laughs> a lot of people have punchable face. A lot of people say, I have a punchable face. Hey, what are you going to do? All right, why bother? Now, I know why you bother, but Northwestern is building a state-of-the-art $880 million Ryan Field. That's what it's called. It used to be called Dyke Stadium, D-Y-C-H-E for you guys that are, you know. But Dyke Stadium and Ryan Field. Ryans have given more money um, than really anybody. Like, everything is Ryan there. And I think it was Welsh Ryan Arena, Ryan Field at Dyke Stadium, I think is what it was. So now you're going $888 million in a state-of-the-art field, and this is genius. But I would say, why bother? I mean, $880 million to lose to Southern Illinois? Miami of Ohio? I get it. I get it. Uh, Fitz has done the best job in the history of that school, not only as a coach, but as a player. Uh, Fitz was a great player, not a good player. You know what I mean? Not a good player, a great player, and frankly, uh, a great coach. And people can get mad about him as a coach, but this year they have been awful. And when I say awful, I mean historically awful. Think about this. You're a Big Ten school. What's the one thing that we heard all offseason with Big Ten schools? How much money they get from the Big Ten network, how this is a competitive disadvantage for those that aren't in a major conference. How this is such a competitive advantage for those that are in a major conference. No, it comes down to players, culture players. And Northwestern's been really good, but they're not now. So I facetiously say, why bother? And I do want to say this. I think Northwestern's being brilliant with this. Northwestern in Evanston, Illinois, does not need a 50 to 100,000 seat stadium right there in the middle of Evanston. They don't. Their area, what they're going to do, I believe after 2023, is get rid of uh, Ryan Field at Dyke Stadium, or maybe it's just Ryan Stadium. I don't know. Anyway, the field. And they're going to tear it down. And they're going to rebuild this in its place. 35,000 seats. Perfect. Put a little price tag on them. Get some business dues from Chicago. Make it an experience coming to a beautiful uh, state-of-the-art stadium. You got concerts. That's what they're doing. Awesome. Really smart. I'm not surprised. Northwestern is really smart. They should be. And if they're not, well, frankly, this year they are useless to the Big Ten. Because the basketball program isn't going to be really good. The football program is among, if not the worst, Division I Power 5 teams in the country, at least by record. I know they beat Nebraska. 
But this is smart, even though I facetiously said, why bother? It's actually genius. Uh, I can get behind this. No, I'm not talking about OnlyFans. No, no, no. I'm not talking about Rachel Dozel's nude pictures. No. Oh, hell no. I can get behind a professional pickleball league. I can. There is a professional pickleball league. And LeBron James, Kevin Love, and a bunch of others have said, hey, we're going to play or we're going to invest. Awesome. Now, that's something we can all get behind. Look, I'm 60 years old. I thought at one point in my life, my wife, Lee, who is an incredible athlete, uh, I thought we were going to rule the roost in pickleball. I did. I thought we were going to be so good in pickleball that, well, frankly, uh, no one could handle us. But I learned quickly, not so fast. LeBron James, Kevin Love, Draymond Green, and Bud in them, the ma- a major league pickleball team. Yeah. I like it. The league is expanding from 12 to 16 teams, and it is the fastest-growing sport in the United States. 4.8 million players played in 2021. That's a 15% increase, and I guarantee you there's more. My wife and I play, but now she's kicking the heck out of me, and we only play singles, and we only play privately because, well, frankly, uh, I stink and I'm embarrassed, and everywhere I go in this city, somebody takes a video of me. I told you about someone taking a video of me when I went in the woods on a golf course to go to the bathroom. If they'll take a video of me, for crying out loud. Ladies and gentlemen, this is from Laughing way back in the day. You don't even know what Laughing is. Here come the judge. Are you kidding me? Here come the judge award. Let's be honest. Aaron Judge moves the needle. The Yankees move the needle. I have said forever, if you put Derek Jeter on Tampa Bay or you put or you put Derek Jeter on, I don't know, of the Royals, Derek Jeter's a Hall of Fame. I didn't say he wasn't. Don't at me about it. I did not say he was not. All right? But Derek Jeter ain't Derek Jeter. We're not having 30 for 30s about the sex life of Derek Jeter. I mean, let's be totally honest about that. We're not doing that. No one's doing that. Derek Jeter would be considered a nice player, but he's on the Yankees. So this is what happens when you're Derek Jeter or or Aaron Judge on the Yankees. According to Sports Media Watch, Aaron Judge, Sunday Night Baseball, the largest September audience since 2010. Now, remember, it's 2022. Time gets away from us. Well, what, 2010? What's that? It's 12 years. The Yes Network started or had the largest audience since 2014. You know what it tied or beat or came in second to? Derek Jeter's last home game. TBS, Second largest audience of the entire year. So this dude and his chase, uh, oh, I don't know, has put baseball back in the public consciousness. And he's done it almost, well, in fact, single-handedly. However, 
he does have Yankees across the chest. Ratings jumped 31%. Viewership jumped 47% for the K-Rod windows. I don't even know what that is. Honest to God. Three consecutive primetime Yankees game went to 600,000 viewers. The network average of 362,000 viewers is up 26% from last year and is on pace for an 11-year high. There was a Subway, Subway Series Mets-Yankees game in July that did better on a Tuesday night for TBS on TBS. But Aaron Judge was second. And literally, let's be honest, it is Aaron Judge. Huh. Coop says, I'm confident that you and Lee can still be pickleball world champs if you really put your mind to it. I agree. Well, speaking of the devil, Lee comes down with a cup of java. I celebrated Florida. Yes. And the one cup. Nice. Thinking about him. Uh, this Coop- is Florida, too. All right. Coop says that he thinks we could be still pickleball champs. It's going to have to be when you turn 60. In 20 years. You gotta figure out something. I gotta figure out something with his belly. I got the belly hanging over. <laughs> ah, thank you, Lee. She brings a cup of coffee. Uh, marry a woman like Lee. I've said this forever. Every man should have the opportunity to marry Lee. But I ain't giving her up. So there you go. Uh, I don't blame you. I don't blame Steve Nash even a little bit. That's my next award. Look, I don't blame you. Steve, I don't blame you. What don't I blame Steve Nash? He said, I don't care if Ben Simmons ever takes a shot. I'm with you. Look, Steve, Ben Simmons can't shoot today, tomorrow, the next day. I actually did a thing on ESPN when I was with ESPN on why he can't shoot. And the NBA puts together like staffs, monster staffs. And on those staffs, are like 20 little white dudes that think they're scrappy and they teach you how to dribble with a pencil or how to spin a ball with your nose or whatever. How to shoot the old step back. That's a big thing with NBA guys now, the workout guys, and the old Euro step and whatever else. I did a film, and I can't remember exactly why. I'd have to go back and look. I don't know where it would be. But I did a film, a study, on why Ben Simmons can't shoot and why he'll never shoot. People made fun of me. Well, you know, when he gets into the NBA, he's going to shoot because he doesn't have to worry about anything other than being in the gym. Okay. The only thing that I truly will tell you that I know in basketball, there's a few. One is shooting. I can teach a guy to shoot if he'll listen. Now, a lot of guys don't want to listen. Second thing, I can teach you how to scout and get a team ready. Now, that I can do. I don't know about Euro steps. I don't know about... You know, the crossover where you go, oh, no, I don't know about any of that. But Ben Simmons, if I'm Steve Nash, I ain't mad at you. Hell no, I'm not letting him shoot. Are you out of your mind? Cray cray. All right. I'm really happy about something. And as you know, today anyway, I'm really happy about a lot of things. You remember when Miles Garrett took the helmet off and swung it at Mason Rudolph? What did he say? Well, Miles, Mason Rudolph said racist things to me. Turned out to be crap. Happened the other day, turned out to be crap. All right? 
The other, well, it happened about a month ago. It turned out to be crap. He said, right? That's the new go-to. When you act like an idiot on a football field, you then go to, well, he said racist things to me. It's no different than that little uh, Duke volleyball player lying about racist stuff at BYU. Nobody's ever going to cover the lie. All we're going to do is paint a guy with a brush that he says racist things because some idiot acts like an idiot. Next thing you know, he's got to cover himself. I like Chris Jones, and I like Matt Ryan. I'm going to tell you why. Colts game, uh, Chris Jones sacks Matt Ryan. It's going to be fourth down in a million. And the Colts haven't moved the ball from me to that camera in front of me. Chris Jones, for whatever the reason, pushes down on Matt Ryan. No call. They're in a scrum. It's all right. And then whatever, for whatever the reason, Chris Jones says something kind of face-to-face, not demonstrative, not losing his mind. He just says something. Referee hears it, throws a flag. Nobody knows what Chris Jones has said because, frankly, Matt Ryan isn't talking. The NFL isn't talking. The only thing that's being said is he used disturbing language that doesn't belong in any society. I can pretty much guess what he said, and let's put it this way. It was racial, sexual, and probably uh, physically impossible to do. I get told a lot of things after this show to do things that are anatomically impossible. All right? I mean, you know, you can't quite do what they ask me to do to myself. But I guarantee you, Chris Jones said something incredibly racial and disgusting. I guarantee you he said something incredibly hard to do as a human being, and the referee had enough. See, I've said this before, and I'll say this again. There's nothing, and I mean zero, you could say to me, on the field, between on the court anyway, that would make me even think about being offended. Zero, nada, nothing. No. But little referee guy who has no common sense because, well, in the NFL, we've gotten rid of all the older guys and we brought in what we need to bring in, I suppose. Uh, Guy didn't have common sense, threw a flag. Guy never played. But you know what, NFL, just tell us already. We can handle it, I swear. If Chris Jones said something so disturbing that a referee throws a flag and changes literally the outcome of a game because the Colts were not going to score, the game was over, then I think we all have an obligation. I mean, if we're going to hear from, oh, I don't know, Miles Garrett about, you know, he's going to paint somebody with the racist brush, why aren't we hearing about what happened here? I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. Somebody please explain it to me. I'm having a hard time with it. Hmm. All right. Well, apparently folks aren't in the same place as me. Apparently people are not going to talk. Apparently it's so egregious. And this is where I respect Matt Ryan. It'd be easy for Matt Ryan to go little immature Miles Garrett. It'd be easy for And now it wouldn't have any effect. Because, you know, that kind of conversation only works one way. 
It would be easy for Matt Ryan to go uh, Ms. Robinson at Duke and everything's right. It'd be easy. All Matt Ryan would have to do is say, yeah, he called me a white blankety blank or whatever. But I like the fact that Matt Ryan's not doing it. Uh, what happens on the field should stay on the field until you get older, and then you got to ask people who are the biggest trash talkers. And then you tell a story. I got to tell you, not a damn thing anybody said to me would ever bother me, and it amazes me that it bothers pro athletes. Uh, Iron Man streak gone bad. I saw this yesterday, and this is fascinating to me. This is something I understand. The only time I ever missed practice from sixth grade, fifth grade, actually, until my last practice at Indiana, the only time I ever missed is when I had mononucleosis and I had a mispractice. You don't mispractice. I don't care. You don't miss. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor on Wednesday, mispractice. Jonathan Taylor, the star running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Listen to this. Hadn't missed a practice in high school, at Wisconsin, or at Indiana. Nowadays, guys miss practice because they got to go play the flute. Nowadays, guys miss practice because I need a me day. I just need a me day. And I'm talking about in grade school. Our sixth grade coach, we used to, we couldn't practice until four o'clock. School got over at 2.45. So here's what he told us. Walk down the street, get a candy bar, eat the candy bar, and you got to run three laps around the parking lot. That's what he told us in sixth grade. You know what we did? We walked from St. Peter and Paul to Parker Market. We got a candy bar. We walked back to St. Peter and Paul, and we ran three laps. We did. Never missed. Coach told us to. Coach said that's what we're supposed to do, so guess what? That's what we did. This is why Jonathan Taylor is really good. This is why Jonathan Taylor is just different. I guarantee you, same thing with Derrick Henry. Quick Derrick Henry story. Friend of my daughter's, one of her best friends, for whatever the reason, from Zionsville, Indiana, decides to go to Alabama. When Derrick Henry was winning the Heisman Trophy, she's sitting in line at a Starbucks. It's really crowded. Uh, Unbeknownst to her, she gets bumped into Nobody, not intentional, just gets bumped into, not like whiplashy, but just got bumped into. She turned around and it was Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry's like, I'm so sorry. The people behind me came in the door and I tried to move and I'm, I'm buying your coffee. Derrick Henry was such a good dude to buy that young lady that she, he, he didn't have to do that. He's Alabama. He's the star. He's the guy. He's the Gazda. He's the man. That's why I'm a big fan of Derrick Henry. You don't get to those positions by being a knucklehead, unless you're just so good. You know, it was funny. When Kurt Schilling was on here, we got two, not one, two references. I'm trying not to swear. References to male genitalia both relative to Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds could be that because he was that good. Most people that get to the level where you watch them on TV are really good people. Really good. So when you look at Jonathan Taylor, understand that this is a guy that simply doesn't miss practice. If you dislike Derrick Henry, do yourself a favor. Google this or whatever you do, YouTube, but I don't even know. Derrick Henry workouts. It is 
the most amazing thing ever. Like push-ups with heavy chain on a ball. I mean, it is crazy. Walter Payton inspired an entire generation of us in Northwest Indiana slash Chicago to do one thing. One thing. Sounds weird. Run up and down a hill. What are you talking about? Walter Payton, his workout, there was a hill. He got a guy named Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly played football at Indiana. He was a little bit younger than me. Kevin Kelly in Crystal Lake, I think, or wherever they live, was his running partner up and down a hill. Now, the hill didn't make Kevin Kelly into a guy. I don't even know if he ever got on the field in Indiana. But the hill and Walter Payton and how hard Walter Payton played inspired all of us in Northwest Indiana. My buddy Worm and I used to go to Dune State Park, which is in Gary or just outside of Gary. People don't know the great, the great beaches in Gary, Indiana, but I digress. And we would run the sand hill, man. We'd run down. We'd run the sand hill. We'd jump in the water. I mean, it was great. And it was all because of Wally P. So when you see these guys, when you see these guys, understand that the people you are watching are not only great athletes, great people, hardest working dudes you're ever going to find in your life, and put a little respect on their name. Before we go, can we show... Can we go back, and this is a tough ask for me, Ryan. Can we go back and show that President Biden looking for Jackie's speech again? Can we do that? I can't get enough of this and try to figure out how this guy is leading the most powerful, the best country in the history of the world. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was was going to be here to help make this. Where's Jackie? Jackie passed away August 3rd. That's where Jackie is. That's the leader of the country. That's the guy that we have all put in charge. That's the guy. I haven't been on the YouTube chat, but I guarantee you there's some clowns on the YouTube chat. There are people there that are still to this day defending this guy. Now, again, I'm going to say this, and I'm sure I'll get audited. Maybe cops will show up at my house with guns, raid my house. I don't know, and I really don't care. Well, I do care. I don't want that to happen. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, would have to hide the toys if you know what I mean. But anyway, so that's the guy. That right there. Now, I'm just going to say, if you voted for that guy, you got to feel like an idiot. You do. you got to feel like an absolute stone idiot. And if you don't agree that he should not be running our country, in fact, he should be under his wife slash doctor's care, I don't know what to tell you. I honestly don't. Sean Black said that's honestly sad. He's so bad, it's sad. Dan, stop criticizing Biden. He is just different. I agree. Dan, he is not running the country. He is a marionette. I don't disagree. This is the YouTube chat. All right. Fine. King Chuck here says, well, uh, what's so bizarre is whether people are wearing masks or being themselves. Some of you just can't help but try to dictate their business, you weirdos. Okay. 
I'm weirdo. We're all weirdos. Yeah. Dockage just whines for clicks. No, Dockage just tells the truth, and I don't even look at clicks anymore. I used to. I used to be nuts with it. But I know this. If you voted for that guy and you don't feel like you've been duped, then you're just blind. You're blind to your party. You're blind to hating Trump. You know, Trump all of a sudden became a racist when he ran for office. I mean, it's legendary going back days, the support he gave to Jesse Jackson, to Al Sharpton, the pictures he took, all the stuff that he did. If you believe that guy should be leading our country, the greatest country in the history of the world, and you believe what he's done for our country is good, you're a damn fool, and there's nothing anybody can possibly do about it. Jackie, Jackie Walorski died August 3rd in a horrific two-person car crash. Jackie Walorski in northeast Indiana was beloved. I mean beloved. Joe Biden said he was shocked and saddened when she passed. At this particular conference, there was a memorial to Jackie Walorski earlier that Biden was at. And now, where's Jackie? Where's Jackie? What a sad state of affairs. But hey, I get it. We can't get people to think for themselves in this country. But if you could, if you could, man, oh man, if you could, you might see things a little different. Jimmy Cephalo was a great, great player. You guys may not even know that. Jimmy Cephalo was a great player. Jimmy Cephalo has been a long, long, long time broadcaster. Jimmy Cephalo broadcasts and is going to preview for us the Miami Dolphins. And I'm very much looking forward to that. We shall return. We're going to talk to Jimmy Cephalo. I can't wait. We'll be right back. Talking Dolphins, Bengals, getting you ready. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, I remember Jimmy Cephalo as a wide receiver in the NFL, certainly, but I also remember him at Penn State. In fact, he's a little bit older than me, and when we were kids, I had a friend named Cam Cefali, C-E-F-A-L-I. Cephalo has everything except the O. So we always called my buddy Cam Cephalo instead of Cefali because he was a wide receiver. And in fact, Jimmy Cephalo was. You were an idol. Uh, we loved you, man, in Northwest Indiana, oh, Gary, you. Indiana, of all things, Jimmy. How about that? Gee, if I, if I hey. you were the guys. I, I wonder. I wish I knew that back then. <laughs> yeah. Paterno told me I was the worst would, player he'd ever had in his life. So you know. How tough was Don Shula? Shula was tough, but he was fair. That's the that was. Uh, I loved Shula. I mean, even you know, until they died, we we remained friends and. You know, I had dinner with him just a couple of months before he passed, and just he was a wonderful man, a good human being. And um, I think that's that was the best part about playing for the Dolphins was playing for Shula. That's for sure. I mean, we we went to two Super Bowls, and you know, and I still obviously have kind of connection with the, with the team as their play by play guy for the radio network. But the best part of that is the night before each game, including last night here in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, all the guys who are still associated with the team have dinner together. And last night it was, you know, Dan Marino and Joe Rose, the analyst, the sideline report, Kimbo Camper, uh, uh, Nat Moore, 
And uh, Keith Byers joined us too. He was he lives uh, in Dayton, so he came down to Cincinnati and had dinner with us. And uh, Tom Garfinkel, the uh, CEO of the team, always put brings us together, and it's been the, the most enjoyable part of uh, these past. Uh, I've done them for eighteen years, but the last ten years is what we've always done. Well, Jimmy, when you when you look back, you came in there right after the undefeated seasons and all that. When you came to right. the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, there, there's got to be a special culture there to do what those guys did prior to you and do what you did when you were there. What was Shula's culture? Well, he believed that you won with good people. And uh, he'd rather have a cohesive uh, team, a good locker room, smart guys who wouldn't make mistakes than some superstar who was going to just mess up and, and ruin the, the locker room. And... Uh, and not care about uh, you know assignments and doing things the right way, and I, I think if I had to put my finger on why Shula was successful, that was it. Uh, win the right way, and he always did. Jimmy, our friend Armando wanted me to ask you a question, so I'm gonna get into this year's Dolphins. He has a ask him if he's seen enough of Tua or needs to see more, uh, and would you rather have Tua, Burrow, Herbert? Who would you rather have? That's from Armando. Well, I, I I've seen enough of Tua to know that he's he's the future of this of this uh, franchise. Um, I mean, he made two throws last week that very few people can make, and uh, you know, and he's done that all season long, and he, he's done it really from the beginning. I think now he's healthy. He's around a coaching staff that uh, has confidence in him and has provided confidence for him. I think he needed a couple of games like he had the six touchdown game uh, two weeks ago against uh, the Ravens where he led a furious second half comeback. And last week in a very tight game against a very good Buffalo Bills team. And that kind of confidence, I think, will carry him throughout the rest of this year and hopefully the rest of his career. You know, football, at least this is what I'm told, and I'm curious your thoughts. I'm not surprised at Miami's success because every guy that I know within the NFL tells me it's outside in. Great wide receivers kind of rule the day. Uh, two has got them. You know, how? let me go this route because I, I'm hearing people say, well, you know, these wide receivers are making Tua look great. I'm going the other way when I watch Tua. I think he's enhancing what Waddle and Hill are doing, no? Well, look, he's, you know, he's uh... – one of the most accurate passers in football since the day he stepped on the field here in the NFL. And certainly this year, I mean, I think last week he completed 75% of his passes and uh, that's been the case for most of the year. I think he's up to 73% or something this year, but he's always been right around 70%. And uh, that's, that's, you know, these guys can rely on the ball being placed where it needs to be placed. And as a wide receiver, that gives you a great deal of confidence to run the pattern you need to run especially if you're coming across the middle, because you know that a quarterback who's accurate is not going to lead you into a safety, right? He's going to throw the ball where you can catch it, but you're not going to get clocked. So as a receiver, that gives you a lot of confidence. And I think they've got a lot of confidence in him and he has it in them tonight. I think they'll probably go a great deal uh, to Terry kill. The, you know, the, the bills tried to take him away last week. And of course, Waddle killed them. Uh, so I think Tariq, especially going against Eli Apple, uh, they don't like each other. And if the uh, Bengals decide to go ahead and try to <laughs> match up Eli Apple against Tyreek Kill, it's going to be a fun night for Dolphin fans. 
How good is Hill, man? I love watching that guy play. I love guys that when they catch it, you think they can go. Well, he always has the ability to break anything. You know, they throw a lot of hitches to him, you know, flanker screens, those kinds of things, just to get the ball into his hands in space. Uh, he comes out of, out of uh, patterns very, very good. I think he's improved that part of his game in running pass patterns. And what happens is that when you have that kind of speed, and Waddle is is no slouch when it comes to speed either, and Raheem uh, Mostert is probably the second fastest guy on the team. They like using him out of the backfield uh, to catch footballs and run the ball. He runs the ball well too, but this is a very, very fast team. And uh, Tariq, uh, you know, he's got good hands, runs good patterns now, and uh, he forces defensive backs to take one step backwards toward the, the, the other goal line. And that opens up everything underneath, of course, for Waddler, for Mike Kosicki, or for Mostert, or whoever is in the game. You know, is... Is all right. Is this a thing? You know, I've always respected. I'm gonna get back to Tua and actually the Dolphins, but I've always respected him. He comes in halftime of the national championship game, replaces Hurts, right? Does his thing. So I, as a former coach, I'm like, man, this dude, this dude's got something to him. The fourth quarter against the Ravens. Is there such thing in professional football as a propelling game? Yeah. I think that's that's the confidence that I was talking about earlier. He, I think it, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and he made every throw you need to make and made some tough throws. And, of course, I don't know what the Ravens were thinking uh, or what they were doing. They kept looking at the secondary, kept looking at each other going, well, I thought you had him. Oh, I thought you had him. And Tyreek kept running past everybody, and Waddle kept running past everybody. And, uh and Tua kept delivering the football accurately. You know, you know where he throws the ball most accurately, and it's, it's always been one of the criticisms of him. I don't get it. He throws the ball more accurately uh, past twenty yards. If you look at what he's done past twenty yards, I think he's number one in the NFL for you know accuracy past twenty yards this year. And, uh, and when you've got Waddle and Tariq Hill with the kind of speed they have, that really makes a big difference. And so the secondary. If you look at them, they're they're a step uh, closer to to the other goal line, and uh, nobody's crowding Tyree Kill, nobody's crowding Waddle, because they can just get past you and you're done. You better have deep help or you're in trouble. So that's it really when you, it was a propelling game. When you watch when you watch the Dolphins, what mm. as a former player, broadcaster, eighteen years. When they're playing well, what, what do you see them doing on both sides of the ball? Well, defensively, I see them blitzing. They, they're a blitzing football team. They've got about 20 blitz packages, and they've got two safeties, Jones and Holland, who blitz extraordinarily well. And, of course, you've got Xavier and, uh, Howard on one side, and uh, when Byron Jones comes back, he'll be on the other side. He's on the PUP list, but he's also going to come back, come back next week against the Jets. Uh, and uh, Nick Needham has played really well, too, in, in his absence. So you've got a good secondary, but they blitz. They come after you. Uh, you know, they try to get there with Agba and with uh, Jalen Phillips, the number one pick from a year ago from the University of Miami. And they get there sometimes, but they're really at their best when they're blitzing, and they do it often. How good do you think the Bengals are? What do you think of them? What's their strength? Well, they're, they're, I'll tell you what their weakness is, and that's their offensive line, 
which is going to make tonight really yeah. interesting when you think about the blitzing abilities of, uh, of this Dolphin football team um, and, and how many packages they have. Uh, you can easily confuse an offensive line that has not been cohesive so far this year. Now, that may change. They don't run the ball well. Uh, and I think it, 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 when you're looking at it from the perspective of a, of a broadcaster, a former player, you're looking for the other team's weakness. You know, their strengths are obvious. You know, Burrow and and uh, Chase and, uh, you know, uh, that, that group of receivers that he's got, that's the strength. But the question is, can they give him time to throw the football and deliver it when they need to deliver it? You know, I – the Dolphins' offensive line has really improved this year. Uh, 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 Armstead, the left tackle, is one of the reasons they made a trade for him. Yeah, who doesn't get enough credit? Chris Greer, who's the general manager of the uh, Dolphins. He really has put together a very good roster over the last couple of years. And uh, this this year, I mean, they, their offensive line is much better, giving two of the time he needs. Because if you have guys with speed, you still need some time to go back and, you know, five and seven steps to be able to, to deliver the football. And they've been able to do that. So I look at a team's weaknesses. I know what their strength is, their wide receivers and their quarterback. Uh, they've not scored a rushing touchdown this year, the Bengals. Uh, so those are some issues that they have. And I think this team can, the Dolphins team can score uh, with anybody in the league. And they proved that last week and the week before. So, you know, you look at it, and I I think the Dolphins have got a really good chance to go four and zero. And I remember before when the schedule first came out, we kept saying if they can only go two and two, they got to go two and two, because then their schedule gets easier until December when it gets tough again. Uh, but you know, there's really no gimmies in the NFL anytime anymore, right? Next week they go to play the Jets and the, the Meadowlands, and they got the Vikings, they got the Steelers, you know, they got the Texans. You know, there's some teams in there they should be able to beat. Uh, but you never know in this league anymore. Uh, you, you mentioned Chris Chris Greer. A lot was you know a lot of turmoil in the off season. What's Mike McDonald done to kind of squelch everything and get it going in the direction that it is? Well, he's the modern day uh, I think uh, blueprint for a coach in the NFL. He's very positive. He, right from the beginning, I mean, when he was on the plane. Uh, he was on Stephen Ross's private plane flying from, you know, the Bay Area here to South, well, there to South Florida. And uh, he called Tua. He called Tua from the plane and said, you know, you're, you're my guy. You know, I, I, you're, the guy you, you're the one that's going to lead this team. And he's always shown great confidence in him. And I think that is displayed now in Tua. So that's what he's done. And because, uh, you know, the way this league is, if you don't have a quarterback, you might as well go home. And the Dolphins, you know, expended a lot of energy getting to it in the fold, and they couldn't afford for him to fail. And I think Mike understood that he's a very smart guy, but he's a very positive guy. He, you know, he's, today's NFL player doesn't want to be put down all the time. You know, I, I love Shula, as you know, uh, but boy, oh boy, if you stepped out of line and made the smallest mistake, he was all over you. And I don't think that happens anymore with a modern-day coach. And Mike... Mike would rather find the positive in what you did and teach you that way than go the other route. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, people, um, when he was, when he was hired, it, you know, I don't know, maybe the media just liked him. Maybe they liked the difference, you know, but, but he has, I feel like 
and it's not easy to do. He's lived up to the fact that people really like to hire. And I'm not just talking about winning. He seems like a guy that handles every situation about as well as could be expected. No, he does. Uh, if you talk to the guys in, in the room, they, uh, they say that he handles being in front of the room and talking to the team better than any coach we've had around here in a long, long time. So he handles the media very well, um, and he's an upbeat guy. He's a positive guy. He's very smart, a Yale graduate. You know, he, he's a, he's a, basically his background is a running game coordinator and with his own running scheme. And, and, he, and Chris Greer was smart enough to bring in a couple of running backs, Edmonds and Mostert, who run that, that scheme very well. And this offensive line is blocking. So they also went out and got, you know, Connor Williams from the Cowboys as a center. They needed a center, they got a center. Uh, they needed a left tackle, they, they went and got Armstead. So uh, Chris Greer did a good job. I think Mike's the right guy for this team. And finally, after all these years, you know, in 18 years, Dan, I have only called two playoff games. And they haven't won either one of them. So I'm hoping that changes – it's a, it's a long time to to to, to see two playoff games. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, I I I gotta let you go with this. I was listening to Rex Ryan on Monday after the the uh, Dolphins beat the Bills, and he was talking about the home field advantage uh, at what is it Hard Rock Stadium because the sun in oh, September yeah. on an afternoon game that's real, right? Oh, look, the way when they redesigned this stadium and Stephen Ross put, I think, almost six hundred million dollars of his own money into rebuilding the stadium. And they did a couple of things. They put uh, this covering uh, over the fan area to keep them cooler. And we scheduled a lot. We asked the NFL to schedule a lot. Of, you know, whenever he had home games, we wanted a one o'clock game. We could have it. And the opposing team, the way that covering is set up, is always in the sun. And the Dolphins are always in the shade. And last week, you know, it's funny, the the, uh, uh, the Bills ran 90 offensive plays. They had a 20-play drive at one point. And I looked out and looked at them during the commercial break, and every one of them were on a knee, except for one who was laid out. He was just on his back. I mean, it was hot, it was humid, and... It reminds me of the days in the Orange Bowl. You know, back in the Orange Bowl, before I got here, it was AstroTurf. And in the heat of South Florida, they used to wear these little nubby uh, plastic uh, shoes, plastic spikes. That, that, that stuff would melt. And, uh, you know, it was, it, I mean, it's hot. When I say it's hot, you got to get used to the heat of South Florida. And, uh, you know, you, it, we always wear white uniforms at, at home during the day, you know. Make the opposing team work the dark uniform. Every little trick to try and let them know how damn hot it is. And the Bills found out last week how hot it really can be at Hard Rock Stadium. But they built that stadium perfectly uh, to give us a home field advantage. Hey, look, I remember in 1984, the Cubs had an old infield on the left side. They grew to grass higher. So, you know, the ball stopped. Home field advantage is home field advantage. Everything right. good with your family, friends in Florida right now? Miami hasn't been – Miami, correct me if I'm wrong, hasn't been uh, affected thus far by Hurricane Ian, right? Not not, not greatly. I mean, we uh, 
uh, you know, we had uh, some heavy rain, some gusty winds. We took off yesterday morning. We left early to get out, and uh, it was kind of rocky leaving because uh, the winds were, were gusting and, you know, how that goes. But we got here safely, and uh, South Florida was spared the majority of the problems with uh, Ian, but uh, one of those poor people on the west the, the west coast of, of the state, uh, you got to feel for them. And you just hope there's not a lot, a, lot, a lot of loss of life there, but we're told that there probably is, and they can't get into them yet. I mean, the water won't recede for quite a while. You know, you're at the water table right there, so it's a problem. Man. Can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, you taking a few minutes with us. And like I said, man, you, you were our guy back in the day. For whatever reason, you were our guy. If you, it, well, Bears were our well, guy. Walter Payton was our real guy. Like Walter Payton, everybody wanted to be Walter Payton, but you were Jimmy Cephali if you were a, uh, not Cephalo, Cephali, <laughs> or if you were a wide receiver. Well, I appreciate uh, that, Dan, Jimmy, and thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Have a great night tonight. Thank you, and travel safe. Thanks. Uh, Thank you. Take care. See you now. That's, Gi- that's Jimmy Cephalo. I'm telling you, when we were kids, a friend of mine was Cam Cephali, and I, I had it backwards. It was Cephalo. We called him Cephalo because Jimmy Cephalo was really good. Like, really, 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 really good. Um, all right, let's do this. Uh, let's take a look at a couple of things. Yesterday, Haley, our unbelievable, not uh, a social media, what's the right word? Our, our social media guru was at Yankee Stadium, uh, got some great sound yesterday. Let's uh, do, can we cue Haley up right here? I'm going to make sure I don't put you guys in a bad spot. I know I got you guys working, Dylan and Ryan. It's always very bond, 73. The steroids years don't count. No, no, no. Even Judge knows it's 73. So, we're no, at the Fugazi record. He was on roids when he did it. The real record's 71. 61. Judge said it was 61. 73. All right, on three, what's the record? Three, 71. 71. Would you rather, this is a triggering would you rather for Yankees fans. Would you rather Aaron Judge go to the Mets or the Red Sox? I'm not answering that. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I'm a diehard Mets fan, so I got to say Mets. I'm only here for Judge. Mets, the Mets, the Mets. Can't go to Boston. No, not not Boston. I'd rather die. Yeah, if anything, the Dodgers. Jesus. Uh, The Mets. The Mets. Keep it in the family, New York family? New York. You know, Boston sucks. (laughs) Would you want him to be a Red Sox? Oh, I'd love to have him in the Red Sox. He's a great athlete. I'm just upset that we don't have him right now. What would you do to get your hands on that ball? Sacrifice the body, jumping off the balcony. Oh, dude, I would, I would do bad things that I'm not going to say on camera. Would you, would you fight for it? I would, I'd murder a family of four. Yes, I am willing to die for you, Aaron Judge. <laughs> I'd murder a family of four. We need Haley on the streets more because that was absolutely fantastic. Aaron Judge hit the home run. We covered it earlier uh, with Kurt Schilling, who has been in that situation as a pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks, man. He uh, he faced Bonds, gave up three home runs, but his perspective was great, and we'll have videos up of that conversation throughout the rest of the day. You can go to my Twitter handle, go to a bunch. All right, let's go, baby. Who's the woke dope of the day? Do we have one? Other than our frickin' president that doesn't know what the hell he's talking about or where he's at, what are we doing? 
I can't get off that. I got to get off that. Uh, do we have a woke dope today? No woke dope. All right. I got you. Yeah, that we were going to play the video. I'm with you on that one. Um, I always talk about Ryan and I always talk about Dylan and they're fantastic. But Brooke and Colin are hanging out, learning, interning, studying, training, not interning, training. As the OutKick Network continues to grow and grow and grow. So let me ask you this question as we move to tonight's game. This surprised me when I looked at it. It's a three and a half point spread. That seems like a lot. And the spread is the Bengals given three and a half. The over under is 48 and a half. Anytime touchdown, Joe Mixon, remember what Jimmy Cephalo said. And Joe Mixon said, hey, look, or uh, he said, look, the Bengals have not scored a rushing touchdown all year. So I looked at it, and in my mind, I thought, you know, I'm going to get plus money on Joe Mixon. Well, you don't get plus money on Joe Mixon. It's minus 135 here with our friends at DraftKings. Then I thought to myself, all right, he did mention, I don't know if you saw this, but he did mention or heard this, he did mention he thinks Tyreek Hill is going to have a big night, particularly if he's matched up against Eli Apple. They don't like each other. Tyreek Hill's gotten pretty good. So I'm thinking, hey, maybe I'll get Tyreek Hill 50 or 60. I'll sneak something in there. No, Tyreek Hill is over 75 and a half yards. Here's what happened. When Jimmy Cephalo was talking on our show, it was over 71 and a half yards. DraftKings is watching our show like everybody else in the country. DraftKings saw this they adjusted the line based on the analysis of Jimmy Cephalo to me back about 10 minutes ago where he said Tyreek Hill against Eli Apple should have a big night. So what did DraftKings do? They jacked the lineup. I know you're watching. I know you are. Um, receptions. So I went over to receptions and I said, all right, let me see how many receptions they have. For Tyreek Hill. It's not up. It's not up. It is not up. I'm sorry, but I'm Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase. Right now, at least according to what I'm looking at, the only thing that I see is the Cincinnati Bengals draft catch or draft catchers. Pass catchers. Don't forget, go to outkick.com slash bet today. That's right. <clears throat> go to outkick.com. Uh, it takes you right there. Win $200 in free offers. I live in the great state of Indiana, Tennessee, Louisiana, Arizona. Yeah. Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Indiana, West Virginia, Wyoming, Virginia, Tennessee again. Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Michigan, uh, Louisiana again, and Kansas. You can knock it out right there on DraftKings, and I'm going to tonight. I mean, I'm losing so much money in this Joe Biden economy, down another 800 on my true story. I don't, I'm not going to stop either. I don't care. You guys can get mad at me all you'd like, but I am not stopping. How in the hell do you possibly, possibly, ever, ever could you have voted for that guy? Uh, Dan, Armando Segarra lives in Miami. He would have been a better guest. Well, Marvin, he was a guest earlier this week, baby. Armando is a great guest. People will literally complain about anything. 
I mean, when I say literally, I mean literally complain about anything. He would have been a better guest. I got a guy. So today I'm wearing my shirt, right? And I got a guy, Scary Larry, that is mad at me, says I make it all about myself because I thanked the people at the community center for hosting us and posted a picture of my wife and I with kids. And he said, if it wasn't really about me, I would have put the link first. People are out of their freaking minds. Don't be out of your mind. All right. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Enjoy yourselves. Try to enjoy yourselves. Catch more at OutKick.com all day. We're going to be back at it. It's a football Friday tomorrow. Thanks to everybody that listened. Thanks to Aaron, man. Aaron, great job. Ryan, Dylan, everybody involved here. Hang on, caller. Hang on. Brooke, Colin, Davey, thanks to everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day. Dockage is out.